a friend of the brand, Gabe Pena, the Texas Titan, went on like an absolute deadlift spree throughout 2021. I think we published six separate articles on six separate deadlifts that he pulled off. And I wrote them down. He pulled 900 pounds for three reps on a trap bar. He pulled 1,000 pounds on a deadlift bar from the floor. He pulled 1,145 pounds off of 18-inch blocks. He set what he says is a world record at 1,060 pounds off 18 inches with an axle bar. And then this is like by far to me the most impressive is he pulled 1,005 pounds for five reps on a trap bar. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Something fun today on the Barbend Podcast, we actually have two senior staff members of Barbend, Andrew Gutman and Phil Bleckman. Andrew is our managing editor at Barbend, and Phil is our senior writer at Barbend. We're going to be chatting about some of the biggest stories in strength sports from 2021, as well as looking ahead to what we're really excited about in 2022. If you're just a general fan of strength, or specifically things like weightlifting, strongman, CrossFit, powerlifting, this podcast will definitely have something fun for you. Now let's get to the show. Andrew, Phil, the dynamic editorial duo at Barbent. Well, our editorial team has grown quite a bit this year, but you two have been in it for a bit. We're talking about 2021 and the best things in strength sports. I got to kick over to Phil first because, Phil, you are an experienced podcaster. I don't know if you came prepped or if you're going off the dome, but strength sports in 2021, if you had to sum it up in a word, what would it be? Uh, I would say, as many big moments as there were, I would say missed moments. Missed I think moments. There were so, I think there were so many major moments in strength sports, and a lot of it got coverage, obviously. We know all about those. But there were also a lot that didn't have time in the spotlight that they may have deserved. So um, I'm excited to be able to get into those a little bit uh, here today because I, I think they, they would have been the talk of the town had there not been so many other things happening in the year where there was the Olympics and the world's strongest man's return and the big CrossFit Games return to full athletes and all that. So, well, folks, this is how you this is how you start a podcast. You give folks an exciting, like Fire Flames teaser, like Phil just did. Andrew, you have to follow that. So, good luck. If you have to describe strength sports in twenty twenty one, give me a phrase. Yeah, start with me next time, David. Thank you. Uh, I would say uh, plentiful. I feel like there were just so many moments, and that's kind of maybe a boring answer. But there were like so many big moments. And case in point, uh, this technically hasn't gone live on the set on the site yet. But John Hack set what is his like third PR in a week and a half, and I feel like that's just kind of been consistent with a lot of athletes. So just so many, 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 many moments. And that's just in powerlifting. Like powerlifting has had yeah. a really good back half of 2021. But I think the story of 2021 was that overarching theme was that things were back after 2020 being the time of you know, virtual events and uh, and events being 
just canceled or postponed. 2021, we started seeing people back on the platform and on the field of play. And Phil talked about missed opportunities. Maybe there was just so much that we weren't able to cover or shine a spotlight on because it felt like so much was happening coming out of 2020. Phil, I got I to leave with you. What was your favorite event of this year? I know you were at World's Strongest Man Live. You were like the only member of the press who was there live. Pretty much, yeah. I, I mean, I would say having been at the World's Strongest Man Live and the fact that it also was of it was a much tighter competition if you were watching very closely to the scoreboard between rounds or between events, rather, uh, then it may have appeared just looking at it on paper after the fact. So I, for, for me, at least, I found World's Strongest Man to be the most exciting. I would also say the CrossFit Games as well were really exciting, primarily because given that everything was canceled for a year with COVID, none of the athletes that were competing at the elite levels of competition had showed that they had slowed down in that year where competitions weren't happening. Like everybody was still hitting insane numbers across all of the sports. Uh, but yeah, for me, it was World's Strongest Man because of the numbers that all those guys were putting out. And there were just some major, major performances that happened, uh, particularly in two of the events that I'm sure we'll get into in a moment. Andrew, biggest event for you or most memorable event for you from 2021? Uh, I'm going to say the CrossFit Games. Uh, so I covered the CrossFit Games for the first time officially last year in October, October 2020. And it was a very like strange, intimate CrossFit Games where you only had 10 men and 10 women at the ranch. No, five, so five each. Five, 10 total. I'm, excuse me, 10 total athletes. So it was really cool to have, was it 40 athletes this year total? Uh, competing in just a slew of events. I don't know off the top of my head how many total, but around 15. So uh, it was cool to see that back in force. So yeah, definitely the CrossFit Games. And obviously, Matt Frazier not being in contention opened up the field on the men's side. And it was really interesting to see Fellner and Medeiros go head-to-head. And even though Toomey is all but a lock in pretty much everything she competes in, you know, you still had a lot of drama uh, in the women's division. Notably, Toomey lost an event to 17-year-old Ma- uh, Mal O'Brien. And then also Annie's Annie Thor's daughter, you know, getting on the podium after having a, having a child was a pretty big storyline. So CrossFit Games. I'm going to chime in and I, I get to not just, I get to ask the questions, but I also have to answer them. I'm actually going to say the Olympic Games in weightlifting for a, a few reasons. Was it the most exciting Olympic Games in weightlifting in a vacuum that we've seen in the past 20 years? No. I, I think like absolutely not. I think there were, have been better battles I can point to, and I think there have been more exciting sessions. But the Olympics getting postponed was a huge international story, not just for strength nerds, but for everyone. So it was a huge international story. The actual function of it was incredibly difficult. Uh, coverage was incredibly difficult because of the ongoing pandemic. And at the same time, out of all of that, like Phil said, we had no idea kind of what some of these athletes were doing. A lot of them had basically locked in Olympic qualification years before. So we had no idea what kind of shape people were coming in, you know, coming into the plat, um, coming into it. And also this is as weightlifting has, is being rocked by international scandal. You know, the, the person who headed up the International Weightlifting Federation basically being accused of stealing 10 million plus dollars from the, you know, IWF and associated bodies like what the heck is going on in this sport? We don't even know if it's going to be on the Olympic program for the next couple Olympic cycles. So I feel like there was just so much drama coming into it. And then you do have some good stories. You have Lu Zhaojun coming back and winning gold yet again 
and he's hardly a spring chicken and he's he hasn't even he hasn't even said that he's officially retired yet right this guy's going to be nearly 40 um the, during the next olympics i think he might be 40 my new years might be a little off you have kate nye winning a silver medal for the united states the best performance uh by any u.s lifter since 2000 you have sarah robles winning another olympic medal for the u.s and then you have lasha talakadze proving that he has his own weight class, the, the ultra heavies, uh, I'm calling it, or the superest of heavies, and basically just doing whatever he wants to walk away with gold and completely toying with everyone else. It's, it's pretty, it was pretty incredible for me, and I, we have to give a shout out for that because like, having to wait an extra year for the Olympic Games, and this perhaps being the last time we'll see weightlifting in the Olympics for a while, maybe, who knows? Um, that was pretty standout for me. So, yeah, there are two things. I mean, the, I, I will never forget the editorial scramble uh, when the Olympics were postponed. You know? Oh I mean, my goodness! That that, that that had never happened in our lifetimes, and so figuring out how we actually go about covering this thing that has never happened, how do we even do that? And then this, I'll never forget when it was actually like the talk of that coming, and then it actually happening, and then the way that we had to write about the Olympics after the fact leading up to w- when they were going to happen again in 2021. That was uh, exciting, on, at least on the back end at, at Barbend. And then, yeah, Lasha, the amount of weight that he put over his head, I remember seeing a stat that his clean and jerk was uh, the functional equivalent of just lifting a grand piano over his head. And it's just like, yeah, of course, he's the only person in the world that can do that. I love, I love when mainstream media and we do it sometimes but rarely um because it's like it's for strength athletes by strength athletes but i love when they're like this is they do it in world's strongest man this is where it became famous it's like he's deadlifting four washing machines or he's throwing the equivalent of a washing machine across a ford pinto like what it is really hard to gauge just by yeah there are nine weight plates on both sides it's like what is that how, what does that even mean? How do you translate that to something that you can you can relate to? And it's like, yeah, of course, it's washing machines is the answer. Well, for us, we know like we know exactly what that is. In fact, if if someone's like, oh, he lifted four washing machines, we'd be like, no. What is that in calibrated competition plates? Like, we need to know. Washing machines vary in 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 weight significantly, folks. Yeah, and also, does anybody know the standard weight of a washing machine offhand? I don't think anybody does. I would love them. 372 pounds is the standard. I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I would. You would know, David. Of anybody I know, you would know. So I'm sorry I asked. But I would love if they measured it in something small like oranges. Be like, yeah, he lifted <laughs> like 1,700 oranges. That would blow my dad's mind. Because my dad is... He's like, oh, you have a cool job. And like, I'm proud of you and all that. But he doesn't understand like powerlifting and be like, that guy lifted, you know, you know, 700 pounds and he weighs like 160. And my dad's like, is that a lot? And I'm like, yeah, that, I mean, that's a lot. And my, but he like, he just can't wrap his head around it. But if I were to tell him like, that's half a smart car, he'd be like, oh yeah. Okay. I see. I, I like how oranges are a unit of measurement. Like your dad just eats so many oranges. He's like holding holding one in his hand. He's like, wow, 1,700 of these? Yeah, oh that's, my like, goodness. that's like five months worth of eating for me. So many I mean, clementines. The world's strongest man may actually go back to there. There is a time where they were holding up just baskets of bananas. And uh, you know, I, I do hope that eventually we get back to that place where produce is the, uh, the metric that they have to lift. 
I like. I also like how in the old world, strongest man, when they used to have to do like deadlifts, and they had members of the audience like sit on the apparatus, and they'd be like, "He's deadlifting twelve people." I don't know if y'all know this, but the weight of people varies a whole lot. Yeah, I, you're reminding me of uh, Tom McGee's Silver Dollar Deadlift, where he was lifting crates of cheese on either side of the barbell. They just added literal wheels of cheese, and they were like, "Yeah, he's going. He's going for a world record right here." It's like there's no other sport where they're like, yeah, we got it. We got to, we got to go to the cheesemonger to really get in shape. There's um on that same note, there's a really funny lift. I forget exactly which year it was, but Bill Kazmaier squatted, like he, they called it the Playgirl squat where they loaded up a platform and had like playboy bunnies sit on top of it. And I think there were maybe like eight or 10 of them. And it's really funny because Kazmaier is like, his eyes are like bloodshot and his veins are like jutting out of his neck. And he's just like roaring at the top of his lungs as he squats like 10 Playboy bunnies. And it was just kind of a funny contrast because they're sitting there just like waving and stuff. That is, a, that is an out, that is a canceled unit of measurement, by the way. You are not <laughs> yeah. allowed to measure things. You can measure things in pounds, kilos, stone. The Playboy bunny unit of measurement, Andrew, we have to remove that from all of our articles. So you have your work cut out for you. This is my last podcast, <laughs> just, so I, just so everybody knows. <laughs> Phil, at World's Strongest Man, I'm curious. I want to I ask you after this. So this is a reminder to remind me about some of the like, missing pieces or things that didn't get as much coverage. Seeing World's Strongest Man live, what events do you think are better in person than on TV? I think the, the stones, I feel like, are more interesting in person. Mm. Because you really get a better sense of how winded the athletes get at a certain point on the stones, which I feel like doesn't really translate across screen as much. I mean, you, you do get a sense of it, but it just doesn't like th- these guys are giants, right? Like when they are when they are just standing, not doing anything, you can hear their breathing. Like when they are fatigued, like it is much more apparent, especially when you're within, you know, a couple of people, you know, person's lengths of them. When you're so in like, aerosol droplet distance of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like watching, watching them in the stone off and them going back and forth in the stone off and having only 20 seconds to lift each stone back and forth. And there's a lot on the line. It's, you know, the, the, the finals are on the line. I, I found the stone off at the uh, World's Strongest Man contest to be the most exciting thing to watch just because of how much was, uh, what the stakes were and the particular event where it is actual just go until you can't. Uh, which is a unique aspect of most strongman events, which are usually for time or for max load, where this one was, you're going until the other person can't anymore. And I really like those last man standing style events. So I would say just like the the intensity of World's Strongest Man, you may not see across screen like you would in person. I, I highly recommend if anybody can see a strongman event live, like it is a whole different experience from watching it in, uh, on, on TV. Uh, Andrew, you said you had some notes. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about, about those. What are some, some other highlight performances, lifts, training PRs? What do you have written down? Because we were making fun of you before this, calling you a big old nerd, but it's literally kind of all of our jobs to be big old nerds. Yeah. So one thing, I, I, it's not a single event, but one thing I want to point out is a friend of the brand, Gabe Pena, the Texas Titan went on like an absolute deadlift spree throughout 2021. And I think we published six separate articles on six separate deadlifts that he pulled off. And I wrote them down. He pulled 900 pounds for three reps on a trap bar. 
He pulled a thousand pounds on a deadlift bar from the floor. He pulled uh, 1,145 pounds off of 18 inch blocks. He set a, what he says is a world record at 1,060 pounds off 18 inches with an axle bar. And then this is like by far to me the most impressive is he pulled 1,005 pounds for five reps on a trap bar. And I know like five reps is not a volume set for like strength athletes, but that's a lot of reps to pull a thousand plus pounds on. So shout out to Gabe. It's probably the lift we've seen where like, as far as any version of the deadlift where the person has gotten 5,000 reps quickest, right? Or 5,000 pounds quickest, right? How can you get to 5,000 pounds with the fewest possible reps? I think a, a thousand pounds or a little over for five reps is probably the quickest we've seen someone do that. There's no one deadlifting 2,000 pounds for three reps. You know what I mean? So yeah, Gabe Penny, you say deadlift spree. I literally imagine him like going around to... like It's like a crime spree. Like Someone's just like going on a crime spree robbing banks. He's just going around to different gyms in Texas where he lives and just like breaking in, loading all the weights onto the bar and like pulling a big deadlift and then running out before they cut, the cops can catch him. And he goes and breaks into another gym. It's like a crime spree, but for deadlifting. That's how I want to imagine. Yeah, and he doesn't unload the plates, I've heard. So then he just leaves a thousand pounds worth of plates on an axle bar. Well, that's why the cops crime of them all. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. why it's a crime. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just lifted. You know? Wait, guys, let's not sully this guy's good name. No, to my he, knowledge, he re-racks Gabe his Penny, weights. Uh, he re-racks his weights. That's what I've heard. That's Gabe, what I've heard. Gabe's been on the podcast. Gabe, if you're listening to this, please confirm. Right, guilty until proven innocent on this. No, I'm kidding. Gabe, Gabe definitely re-racks his weights. Definitely re-racks his weights. There's something to be said about uh, that. That could be the next loading medley. Is uh, you you deadlift, you know, whatever the insane weight that strongman lift is, and then they have to medley all the weights back to the rack. That's actually a fun idea. I, that's a that's a fun event. You could like you you know how they had in 2000 at the World Trucks Band they had those like awkward engine parts like the the vehicle parts you could have they to like monster, load... monster truck parts yeah yeah the monster truck but thank you thank you uh, the mon- you could like load those onto the platform and then you have to you know squat a certain number of reps to do max and then you have to unload the monster truck parts and put them like back in the holding area so it's like ooh this is we can't just give this we're gonna have to edit this out of the podcast we can't just give them these ideas for free. I think they should load the monster truck parts into the monster truck and then build a functioning engine. I think that should be part of the event. I think you can get the tire flips in there where they then have to uh, assemble the tires onto the frame and uh, build, a, build their own monster truck medley. Then they have to go get groceries and carry all the bags back from the trunk of the truck in one trip. Single trip. Single trip. So you get your farmer's walks. Basically, Strongman is just about like... Uh, hard, the most hardcore grocery run you've ever done. With Phil, a monster truck. And monster truck. In a monster truck. Phil. Yeah, hardcore. What are some of the events or accomplishments or feats or happening that you thought got glossed over a little bit this year? So there's, there's one in particular. I mean, we're speaking about deadlifts, so I'll, I'll keep it in that vein. It was uh, during the NAC deadlift event for the World's Strongest Man Contest. Uh, the event was a three-way tie at 10 reps. I believe it was uh, 736 pounds was the deadlift number. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what it was, that range. And it was a tie between Trey Mitchell, JF Carone, and Adam Bishop at 10 reps in the 75 seconds they were allotted. And what wasn't seen 
was Trey Mitchell actually was the only man who locked out an 11th rep, but he locked it out after time was called. And so Magnus from Magnuson, the head judge, didn't count it. And of course, Trey Mitchell was like, you know, the, the way that athletes always are with judges when they get a call that they don't, they don't agree with. But he wasn't given that call. And had he give, been given that call and won the event by himself, he would have gotten the 10 full points. And it's debatable whether or not that would have been the difference of him making it onto the podium instead of Maxine Boudreau or not. So at the end of the contest, Trey Mitchell was in fourth place looking in on the podium, sitting one and a half points back. Had he won that event, he would have been a half point back. And who knows how that changes their mentality going into the Atlas Stones, where seven athletes were in contention to potentially score bronze. So it was that moment where he was literally half a second too slow on his 11th rep that could potentially have been the difference of him walking away with a trophy or not. Well, it sounds like he needs to, uh, I don't know. I was trying to come up something like really cliche when like an amateur mister, lifter misses a lift. Like, Oh, he, he, need, he needs to go back to an empty barbell and work on form. That was my yeah, joke. Go, go, work, go work, go work on your, yeah, you got to work on your form. I mean, obviously the, like it stuck around with him. He ended up going, uh, going on to win the shot classic. Yeah, he so, had a killer you know, year he, after that. He had a very good year. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was that moment where I was like, man, this guy is so, he was so close. I mean, he won his group and then he did, had a, a, a great performance where had he gotten that call of the 11th rep in the deadlift and had he just improved a little bit on the keg toss, he was weak in the keg toss event, but he had he improved just slightly, he would have been in the bronze position instead of Maxime Boudreau, who also had an incredible year. So that was that was one major moment that sticks out as uh, something memorable. And then, I mean, if we have time, I, I think we should unpack just all of the drama that was Group 5 in the qualifying stage of World's Strongest Man. That might have been the most exciting competition between a, a group of athletes the entire year, at least from my point of view. I think we can do a whole podcast on that. I got to ask Andrew, though, because as much as I want to keep talking about World's Strongest Man... As much as I want to talk about everything, we have limited time. So, Andrew, what are maybe some other stories from different strength sports that you thought went a little bit unheralded, maybe in the same vein as that very exciting recap Phil just gave us? Felt like we were back there live, Phil. All right. Well, so there are two that I have written down. First is uh, Tamara Walcott deadlifting the all-time heaviest woman's raw record of 636 pounds. That's a huge deadlift. And we're starting to get into like, the mid 600s. Well, we are pretty much in the mid 600s with uh, the super heavyweight women or the heavyweight women in powerlifting. And notably, it's coming off kind of a series of deadlifts where you had Jessica Springer hit 630, and then Sarah Schiff hit 633, and then Walcott just pulled 636. And I think Phil would know probably better than me, but I think this was like September at the WRPF showdown, the bucked up showdown that just happened in September. Uh, that's so what that's they called huge, it. We're not calling it bucked up. They called it the bucked up showdown, by the way. Yeah, it it is. That's their name. We don't name the events. We just report on them. So disclaimer there. But <laughs> um, yeah, so 636. And then this other, the other thing I had written down, not an official sport or event, but there are these two brothers, the Miraglia brothers, Mike and Dylan, and they just go off on these like really strange, frankly, strange feats of strength where Mike did a strongman marathon where he decided to like run a mile with a weighted vest and then do some crazy feat of strength for another mile. And he did that for 26.2 miles. 
He also performed 19 girl wads in a row, and it took him six hours and 19 minutes. And then what I think is really impressive is Dylan, his brother, twin brother, uh, loaded a 341-pound stone of steel raw, which is 1.6 times his, or 1.8 times his body weight. I think he weighed like 184, which is pound for pound more than Tom Stoltman's all-time stone record of, I believe Tom has loaded a 630-pound stone, and it's with a steel stone. 286 kilo, I think, is his world record, yeah. And the stone of steel is very different, right? It's like, it's not, Yeah. it's one thing to, uh, look, stone loading is impressive, and, and not to take anything away from, from Stoltman, but when you're using the tacky, right, on a, on a concrete stone, right? It's a lot different than the stone of steel, which is like a much smooth, it's just, it's a different animal. The stone of steel, it, because it's plate loaded on the inside, it's got a different center of mass or a different, like the weight's distributed differently. It's difficult to grab. So it makes it harder, much, much harder. And he lifted pound for pound more than Stoltman, which I know, like, you know, it's not apples to apples, right? Right. Because strength isn't linear. Yeah. Yeah. 630 pounds is it's more than I can lift. That's for sure. So it's a lot of weight. I'm not uh, even allowed to look at that amount of weight. Yeah. I, I would say there's there's another um going off the stones, there's another event that if if you wanted to see a highlight reel of 2021's biggest moments, I mean, granted it's back in uh still in the Atlas Stones, but the uh Giants Live World Tour Finals, uh, I believe is where this took place. Between it was a, a stone lift event between Evan Singleton and Tom Stoltman for the gold. And both of those guys in that event racing each other slipped on the stones which means they had the worst times in that event. So Luke Stoltman actually got the bump into first place where he would have been drawing dead if either of guys, those guys just had completed it uh, in, a, in a normal time for them, like a routine time for them, but because they both slipped. And that was really exciting because one guy slipped. And then because one guy slipped, the other guy slipped trying to like overcome and actually take the win. It was really exciting. So that, that was definitely a big moment too. And also Luke Stoltman like beating his brother on the stones. That's got to feel good. That's also got to feel good. Yeah, Luke had an insane year. Yeah, he's, he had a really impressive year too. I mean, the Stoltmans are the strong. I mean, they're the strongest sibling pair in human history. Like, can we say that right now? I is there, is there anybody even is there any other sibling pair even remotely close? Like Eddie Hall's brother is strong. I forget what his name is. He's he actually had like a ski erg world record at one mm. point because he's just a massively strong and powerful individual. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think we can say I think we can say that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I do look forward to the 2022 uh, CrossFit Games where uh, Tia Tumi's sister comes out and tries to take the title. Is that That'll wait what? Are you? Are you I, joking? I'm, not, oh. I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, I was like, I was like, wait what? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I completely, I completely missed that. Wait, David, what about you? So we've, do you have any, uh, any events or, or moments? I mean, I just feel like the Olympics got glossed over a lot in the strength community, even in the international community, viewership was just like way down, you know, for, for the Olympics. So I come back to that as something that was a highlight for me, but I think was also a bit, a bit unheralded, you know, it's, 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 it's tough to say. I feel like there was a lot of controversy in powerlifting this year as well, especially with the USAPL and the IPF just not getting along and basically dissociating. So curious to see like how that shakes up and what that impact that has for competition in 2022 and beyond. I think it's a story that like we reported on it and it got a lot of traction, but the fact that USAPL is 
no longer has a relationship with the IPF in that in like that official capacity. That's like a huge story. That's a really, really massive story and has huge implications for the sport of powerlifting in the US and abroad. And that's something that's not like a specific event or a specific lift, but I think is something that will have outsized impact on the strength sports world for years to come. And it kind of got lost in a bit of the end of the year news shuffle. So like I would call that out from my perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah. Who is okay? Last question going around the horn. I wish we could talk. We might have to do a part two of this podcast because this, there's so much to talk about. Who is the athlete you are most excited to see perform in 2022? I'll let Andrew leave this time. Oh, all right. Uh, that's a tough one. Which is exactly what you say when you're stalling for time. Yeah, Andrew. I need a filibuster a little bit better. All right. I'm just going to say uh, I brought him up very early on in the podcast. But I'm just going to say John Hack. Yeah. Um, I think Hack is, I mean, I don't think it's like the nice thing about strength sports is you have numbers to back up everything. He is freakishly strong for being a 90 kilogram athlete who he's a relatively fresh 90 kilogram athlete because he was, he did compete at 181. Am I getting my kilos and pounds? He competed at like, a weight class below that for sure. For yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, He's like freakishly strong and he just pulled 410, 410 kilograms, which is 903 pounds, which is getting into like heavyweight territory for sure for the raw, raw uh, powerlifting. So, yeah, hack. And he also has a freaky bench. He just, Bill, he put up what, 600 pounds on the bench recently? Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, he is, he's in a league of his own right now. Yeah. And like sometimes you see guys who have, uh, you know, freakish lift. Usually, some of their other lifts suffer, but he is like freakishly strong at each lift and like completely well rounded. So, I'm really excited to see kind of like how Hack progresses from here. I hear his reverse lunge, his like max out reverse lunge is terrible, though. Yeah, maybe he should start working on that. Yeah. Like, he's got that's such a joke, guys. Like, he's got to have some lift he's terrible at. No, he's just strong all around. That was a really good. I'm going to. if John listens to this podcast, I do not say that. Yeah, that's we're definitely going to see a David bunch of Town. videos, a bunch of videos where he's just going to be like, check out how good my reverse lunge is for sure. You know how many really strong, like, like internationally strong people are mad at me for, about about this podcast more more than I'm comfortable with. I have to go around outside like big sunglasses and a hoodie on just to not show my face. I mean, it sounds like people just need to you know put in the work on the reverse lunge and not take it personally. You know, seriously, guys, just like do more. Be better. Uh, Phil, who are you most excited to see? I really hope I, I, I can. I, I've worked very hard on trying to pronounce his name properly because uh, I've heard it pronounced different ways. And I, I want to get this right. Guy Maleros? Guy Maleros. Guy Maleros, I think. Yes. Th- that. That in dude. CrossFit. In CrossFit. That dude is somebody I am very excited about watching. He's extremely young. He put up a seventh place performance at the games, I believe. Uh, but watching that man snatch, I mean, he had, he won the snatch event at the CrossFit games and every single time they upped the weight, it was as though he didn't notice it was that, I mean, go back and watch the snatch event and watch him crush it. Everybody is struggling. Everybody has a, 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 a look on their face where they're like, this weight is heavy. They're, they're off balance. They're really trying to struggle to get it up. And he's just like another day at the office. He's like winking at the camera while the weight is overhead. It was, it was incredible. I, I'm like very excited to watch. Uh, his progression to potentially challenge 
uh, Medeiros for the title because I I think he's got the 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 span to do it, and now he's got the confidence to know that he can play with the uh, on the big stage. So I'm very excited to watch him. He also won the sprint event, which was also like pretty impressive because it kind of shows his range too. Yeah, he had he had three event wins, right? Like I mean, he was yeah. he was no slouch. He was just like he wasn't as consistent as Medeiros. Like he had more wins across the games than Medeiros did. He just wasn't as consistent across all the events. So you know it, the points didn't break his way. But like I mean. The, the dude is impressive, and I'm excited to watch him in 2022. All right. I have a two-way tie, and this is very tough for me, right? I'm going to say the first, first place with the slight edge is Annie Thor's daughter because she had a difficult pregnancy, difficult, chi- sorry, difficult childbirth, I should say, comes back about 11, 10 or 11 months later, gets third at the CrossFit Games. Yeah, that's pretty darn impressive. She's a two-time Games champion. I believe that's for like, like fifth or sixth podium appearance. I mean, absolutely insane. And her longevity in the sport, she started competing at the Games in 2009, which is before Justin Medeiros was even born. I'm joking. That's not quite true. But I think Justin Medeiros was like nine or 10 years old when Annie Thor's daughter started competing at the CrossFit Games. What makes me more excited than Annie's games performance is the fact that she actually pushed Tia at the Rogue Invitational. Like there was a way, there was a situation heading into the final day of competition where we were like, oh, Tia might not win. Annie Thor's daughter might beat, beat her. And the fact that it was actually a competition. Like in the final stages of that of that event, that was insane to me. We haven't seen that in CrossFit on the women's side in years, so that was really impactful. And I'm excited to see her in weightlifting. I'm excited to see Hampton Morris of US of the United States USA weightlifting. He's a 17 year old who's out here winning not only youth world championships but Pan American senior championships. He's got a youth world record with probably another few on the way. I guess he becomes a junior this coming year, but like, I'm very excited to see. I think he's the most exciting Olympic prospect the United States has in weightlifting right now, as far as people who have not been to the Olympics yet. And I think what seeing what he's going to be able to do in senior competition as a junior lifter representing the United States, like actually competing for senior international medals as an 18 year old, super excited about that. Something that we have kind of seen from CJ Cummings and Harrison Morris in the past, but I'd say that Hampton Morris is positioning himself to be that next level force, at least in this hemisphere. So really, really excited to see how he develops. Um, and the difference between a 17 year old and an 18 year old is like, it's like a decade of training for everyone else. So he's going to get real, real strong. Well, that's it folks. Where can people follow along if they want more info from YouTube, Andrew Gutman and Phil Blackman? First things first, I would recommend going to barben.com. Never heard of it. And checking out all of our awesome content and articles, uh, most of which I edit, some of which I write. And then Instagram. I'm Andrew Gutman26 on Instagram. I think that's my Instagram handle. So you can the other 25 Andrew Gutmans, the first 25 are terrible. This is the one you want, the 26th one. That's the one you want. Oh, you know what? Actually, I changed my Instagram profile because Instagram kicked me out. It is Andrew underscore Gutman. So. There you go. Phil? Great follow right there. Great follow. Uh, I am not on Instagram. Uh, I spend my time doom scrolling on Twitter where you can, I can be found at Force of Phil. Force of Phil is my Twitter. And uh, yeah, I'm always down to chat. So hit me up there. And Phil, you can also find his work on barben.com. Again, a site I've never heard of, have absolutely nothing to do with, uh, but apparently he writes for barben.com. Folks. Yes, yes uh, we are all there. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> 
Uh, thanks so much. Thanks for recap sharing. We might do we might do like a part two of this and maybe a looking forward to 2022 version early in the next year. So I appreciate you taking the time and, and hope the listeners enjoy it. Sure All right. Thank, thank you. you.